This morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to look at specifically verses 11 through 22 today. Um, but as a uh, way of introduction, uh, we kind of, well, it wasn't too long ago I had the opportunity to come before you two weeks in a row, and we uh, started Ephesians chapter 2, we did 1 through 10, and so I thought, hey, why not? Whenever I get the opportunity to come before you, let's just keep going through Ephesians. So it might take 12 years, but we'll get through Ephesians, right? So we're going to just continue on our way. And I apologize because I wasn't, uh, I started in chapter 2 instead of starting in chapter 1, but y'all go back and read chapter 1. It's a good one. All right. Anyway, so we're going to continue. Chapter 2, uh, verse 11. We will read, uh, we'll pray really quickly, and then we'll dive in. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm actually going to start at verse 8 and go through 22. Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at, at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near to, by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So, making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and members of the household of God, but on the foundation, or built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would bless this morning, bless this word, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So instantly, um, verse 11, uh, and then again in verse 12, uh, Paul starts off with remember, all right, remember. Uh, and this sparked, hey, made me remember something, uh, back in the day growing up, when uh, we would head out for a trip or, you know, I would head out 
do something for, a, a, you know, longer than an a, the normal kind of, you know, I wouldn't just go drive to the grocery store and pick up milk for mom and come back, right? Um, go on a trip or something like that, go spend a day at, at a friend's house or something. Anyway, my dad, before we would leave, I can remember this, he would do this quite often. He'd pull me aside right before we left and say, hey, remember who you are. You're a steward. Remember, you work hard and you eat a lot of food. Okay, remember. <laughs> he didn't say that part. That was my, anyway. So, and they, you know, shove me out the door. You know, get, don't come back. Anyway, no, okay. Anyway, so he pulled me on. Remember who you are, right? What was he trying to say? Right, that, that to me was, hey, if you do something foolish, right, it's coming back on us, right? You represent more than just you. You represent your whole family. You represent the name. You represent more than just yourself. Remember who you are, okay? You belong to us. That's what my dad was saying. You belong to me. Remember who you are, okay? So if you do something dumb, it's coming back on me and I'm going to take it out on you, remember, <laughs> right? Anyway, but you kind of get the point, right? My dad was hoping, right, hoping that my actions, whatever I did when I was gone, that I would remember that whatever I did was going to represent the name, the family, him, my mom, right, everybody. So he was hoping that that would keep me from doing something foolish. Remember who you are, right? Remember who you are. Remember, I have a very large spanking stick, you know, at home. And yes, you're 16, but I'm not afraid to use it, right? Uh, I think my brother was 17. No, no, he was, a, oh, he was well into his 20s. The last spanking he got, he was like 23 or something like that. Yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, you know, they were just playing around and whatever. And he, he looked at him and he said, if you hit your brother, I'm going to give you a spanking. And it, you know, he was like 24. And he looks at dad and he goes, boom, just socks, socks my brother. He was like, I'll take it. That was worth it. Anyway, <laughs> it was funny. But still, so anyway, dad wasn't afraid to any of that. Okay. Anywho, remember who you are. And so as I was reading through this, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, 11, it kind of sparked me as, hey, this is Paul's little remember who you are speech, right? The same one dad would give me before I head out, Paul is about to give us, give the Ephesians a remember who you are speech, okay? So he just got done in 2, 1 through 10, and we kind of read the end, the, the end part of that little section. He just got done explaining all that Christ has done and who we are spiritually, Right? You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You've been made alive with Christ. Now, go. you are his workmanship ready for good works. Right? This is, this is the, the whole point of 2, 1 through 10. Spiritually, we have been made alive. We were dead. We've been made alive. And now we're ready for good works, which God has prepared beforehand. And so, when he says, therefore, remember, we have to look back. Therefore, what, right? We are created for good works. We've been created in Christ for good works. So Paul is about to start talking about 
okay, what are those good works looking like? How do we get into this? How does our spiritual reality in verses 1 through 10 connect with our physical reality, right, our practical reality, in uh, the rest, basically the rest of the book is talking about since this is spiritually true, what does it look like physically, okay? So this is kind of what we're getting into a little bit. We're getting into the practical applications of what does it mean to be saved, created in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? So Paul's going to start answering some of those questions. What does it mean to be created in Christ? How do we walk in these good works? And what does, uh, how do we physically do what is spiritually true, right? How does the spiritual reality of being created in Christ Jesus, a new creation, dead, made alive, how does it work physically? So uh, he gives us a reminder, okay? Uh, so we'll start off. We've broken, or I've broken this up into, well, there's kind of a natural break into three portions, okay? So number one, this is the remember who you are speech, right? So he starts off in 11 and 12, uh, remember who you were, okay? Part two is 13 through, I believe it is 18, yes. Remember what Christ did. And then part three, realize who you now are. Okay, so remember who you were, remember what Christ did, realize who you are now. Okay, or you can say remember who you are, right? So let's, we're going to break it down into those three chunks, and we're going to get into it. This is more of the physical perspective, right, a practical perspective of going out into the world, right? Paul's got us by the hands, and he's about to give us the remember you, who you are speech and then shove us out the door. Okay, so kind of get that little picture in your head, and it'll help us. All right, so verse 11, let's get into it. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made without hands. Remember that at one time, you were separated from Christ. All right, pause there for a second. So if you're familiar uh, with uh, any kind of, Biblical history, we basically know uh, in the New Testament and Old Testament, there was the scripture talks about basically two groups of people, Jews and the Gentiles, right? Jews and the Gentiles. Jews were the people that were chosen by God, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit. The Gentiles was everybody else outside, okay? Everybody else outside. And so Paul is reminding that you were at one time, all right, and we can, we can say this, us, right? Let, I don't think. I don't know if anybody's ethnically Jewish here, but anyway, I don't think so. But if you are, that's cool. If not, that's cool too, because of what we're about to read. Anyway, Christ said, right, uh, or G Paul is saying, you were once Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision. All right, when it says in quotes, do y'all see that? Well, at least mine has it in quotes, the uncircumcision. This was This was kind of like a almost a curse word um, for the Jews. If you were called uncircumcised by the Jews, it was kind of a term of derision, a curse word. So think about, uh, I remember when David met Goliath, right? And Goliath was standing up there, and it was, was the 40th day. He was just hurling curses at Israel. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, right, who defies the armies of the living God? You remember that? But he calls him an uncircumcised Philistine, right? He's pointing out his relationship or his status 
in relation to God. And we'll get to that in a minute. So uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision. Okay, so there's two groups of people here. Remember that you, verse 12, were at one time separated from Christ. Okay, separated from Christ. Christ meaning the Messiah, right, the Savior. So think about it. If we're separated from Christ, we're separated from the Savior, therefore separated from salvation. The Gentiles, okay, are separate from salvation outside of it. Now, how is this, right? Why are they separated, okay? Now, notice he's also talking about circumcision, which is a physical act, okay? We're not going to get too much into it. Physical act, right? So we're talking literally about physically being separated, okay? Physically being separated. Well, how are they physically separated from the Jews? Look what he says, verse 12. You are separated from Christ. Well, how was he separated? alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. All right, so alienated from the commonwealth and strangers to the covenants of promise. Now, this alien and strangers come, pops up again, and I believe in verse 18. Uh, no, in verse 19. So we'll go ahead and talk about it now. Aliens and strangers were actually common terms. Uh, they were descriptive terms used back in those days and probably used in Ephesians that basically were, uh, well, I'll just say, if you were a stranger, okay, this is like an official term, you could be labeled a stranger, you were outside the country, outside the city, okay, you had nothing to do with the city, you weren't associated with the city in any way, with the government, you're a stranger, you're outside of it, okay, if you were an alien, you were an alien, the official, or I mean, you could be an alien. You would live in the city, but you had basically no rights and no privileges of a citizen, but yet you lived there. So you associated, you kind of did business, but you had no protection and no rights and no privileges of a full citizen. You were an alien, okay? So the stranger is completely outside, has nothing to do with them. The alien lives among, but has no privileges, and no rights, okay? They were given, say, the rights of a neighbor, so to speak, all right? But they did not have the rights of the city, of the government. So when he says, Paul says, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, okay? Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Israel being the nation, right? So if we take that term, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, what does that mean? Well, an alien was somebody who might have lived in, but did not get the benefits of the city, right? Did not get the benefits of the nation. So Gentiles, some of them might have lived among, but they did not get the benefits of Israel. Okay? And what were some of the benefits? Look what it says here. And strangers to the covenants of promise. Strangers to the covenant of promise. So the stranger is the person outside, has nothing to do with. What do they have nothing to do with? The covenants of promise. Woo. You have nothing to do with the covenants of promise. You are outside the covenants. What covenants are they talking about? Covenant to Abraham, right? The covenant to Moses, the covenant to David. All these covenants 
right? If you want to uh, summarize them, basically, what uh, what can how can we summarize the covenants to Abraham, to Moses, to David, right? If you obey my commandments, live in my right, believe my word, you will be saved, right? Kind of that, and something in that way. There is a Savior coming. Believe in him, you will be saved. That's what the whole sacrificial system is all about, right? The covenant to Abraham, I will make you a great nation, right? And you will be a blessing to all nations, right? Uh, the covenant to Moses, he gave all the laws, all the rules. You do this. This is a picture of what's to come. Then the covenant to David, I will set, right? You will be on the throne of my house forever. Somebody is coming from you to rule forever, Okay? So those covenants basically pointing, all the covenants are pointing to a Savior to come, a promise that salvation is coming, okay? And so this is what Paul is saying. You were Gentiles. You were outside this covenant of promise. You were outside the realm of salvation, okay? In the Old Testament, you had to become a Jew. You had to be circumcised. You had to come in, become a Jew, in order to be, right, saved, so to speak, okay? You had to come into the commonwealth, you had to be part of the nation, you had to be circumcised, all that. So, we are outside the Jewish nation, right? You can kind of picture that. Now think, imagine what a, oh, let's keep going. So what does this mean? Verse 12, keep going. If they're outside, if they're alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, if they're strangers of the covenant, what does this mean? Having no hope and without God in the world. Having no hope of being saved and without God in the world. Yikes. Having no hope and without God in the world. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, yeah, I guess it was two weeks ago now, right? Uh, the, we just took, a bunch of us went to the Ark uh, and Creation Museum, and one of those uh, really vivid pictures, they have all these, uh, you know, you walk through and you get to tour the timeline of creation, and then you get up to the point of the flood, but one of these little displays, kind of diorama kind of things, that it's, it's very vivid is the ark uh, sitting there in the water, and the water has risen to the point of the mountaintops. So you barely have the mountaintops. And they have all these little figurines of people reaching out, trying to climb to the top. Some of them are fighting just to get above the water and all that. And this is just kind of, you just sit, sit there and stand there. And it's this very vivid picture of being outside with no hope, outside of the ark, right? You're about to drown, the water is rising, and there's nowhere for you to go. You're reaching for this thing that you can't get to, you can't get in, right? The door is shut. It's just this very vivid picture of no hope. So this is what God was saying. This is us. We were separated at one point in time. We were the uncircumcised, right? The uncircumcision. Uh, but don't forget, verse 11, he says, you were Gentiles in the flesh, okay? So just a minute. 
Now, imagine you are in this world where there is a group of people that have hope, that have God, and that they are, you could say, the chosen, right? Just like Israel was, okay? And you are outside, okay? How would you feel about the people inside? Right? They kept pointing out there, ha-ha, we have God, you don't, right? All that kind of stuff. Maybe not necessarily like that. But now imagine you're inside. How would you feel about the people outside? Right? Now, the, the Christian answer is, right, oh, we, we would love them and we want to gather as many as possible. We want to bring in as many, right? The what happened to Israel, what happens in our human nature answer is we get very proud of our club, right? We shut everybody else out and we start hating the people outside, right? That's kind of what happened to Israel, okay? That's what happened in Jesus' day, okay? This is, this is what Jesus has to combat. Uh, this is what Paul is talking about right here. There is this growing and this huge hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles, okay? The Gentiles don't like the Jews. The Jews don't like the Gentiles, okay? There's this hostility among, basically among everybody, okay? And so you saw a little picture of this when we read the story of the Samaritan woman. Jesus was sitting at the well, all right? And Samaria is kind of a different story. They're kind of worse than Gentiles because they're, they're uh, when the kingdom split, Judah which the word Jew comes from, right? And the northern kingdom split. Uh, the Judah, kingdom of Judah, had Jerusalem and had the temple. The northern kingdom set up in Samaria their own temple, their own place of worship, and they put false gods. And they basically required all of northern Israel to come and worship at Samaria. Okay, so they set up a false temple, false gods, and it was, it was just this big bad thing. So not only are they... They had the promise, but they split away and started their own. So they're almost considered, Samaritans are almost considered worse than Gentiles because at one point they knew the truth, but yet they rejected it. So Jews and Samaritans did not associate with each other. And you saw that in John chapter 4, right? When Jesus was sitting at the well and the woman comes up, okay, and he he says, hey, get me a drink. She's like, what? You're a Jew. Why are you talking to me, right? Right? And if you read even further, the disciples come back and they're surprised that Jesus is even talking to a woman, right? That, hap- that it usually didn't happen either. So Jesus was breaking all kinds of these barriers, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, okay? We'll reference that again in a minute. But you get that picture, that surprise of this hostility between the two nations, okay? So that's who we were, okay? That's who we were. We were lost people outside the promise of God with no hope. We were far off, right? We were far off. Y'all ever uh, played darts before? You throw that one dart and it like, I don't know, it misses the wall, you know? Anyway. Anybody ever have a dartboard in their room? Yeah, that quickly got taken away, right? You know? Looks like a, you know, your whole wall looks like a pin cushion, you know, because it's, anyway, holes in it everywhere. That quickly got taken away. And then the magnet things, they don't work, so they're no fun. But anyway, far off would be that, right, aiming at the middle and boom, right, you hit the, you go through the doorway, right, and hit the wall on the other side. Anyway, we are far off. So chapter, or verse 13, 
what, remember what Christ did. Okay, so chat, verse 13, here we go. We were far off, what did Christ do? But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Okay, now think of it, this far off is a physical term, right? Spiritual and a physical term, far off. We've been brought near. The picture I have in my head for this, uh, do you remember when the Ten Commandments were given from God in Israel? And God was up on the mountain in thunder and lightning, and he said, nobody can even touch that mountain or they'll die, right? But then Jesus, when he comes, sits on top of the mountain to preach his sermons, and what does he say? Come to me, right? Come to me. So we actually get to approach now. We were far off, separated, but now we get to approach. We can come near, all because of the blood of Christ, right? His sacrifice, his death on the cross did something to bring us near. And this is what he's going to talk about. All right, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. Okay? He himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So what Christ did on the cross was he took that dividing wall, right, between Jew and Gentile, and he broke it down, right, and made us one. And now there's peace. There's no difference. Okay, we'll get to this in a minute. No difference between Jew and Gentile anymore. We are all one because of what Christ has done. All right, we are one. So how, switch pages here, how did this happen? Jews and Gentiles are now one in Christ. How does this happen? All right, here's what he did. Verse 15, how are we one? Number one, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. All right, so what was one of the big things? This is, was the covenant of promise, right? What separated us was we were aliens from Israel. We were outside the covenant of promise, okay? But what did Christ do on his death? He took care. He fulfilled the old covenant. We'll talk about this more in our Sunday school class, by the way. It's a little plug, right? If you want to more, learn more about the relationship between the law and the gospel, the covenant, and what Jesus has done, Sunday school. Yeah, it's awesome. Starting next week in the youth room. Full plug. All right. But Jesus basically abolished the law in the ordinances, right? What is the ordinances? What is he talking about? He's talking about the sacrificial system, right? He's talking about temple worship. He's talking about um, the priesthood, okay? How do we know this? Well, Jesus said that in John chapter 4, right? He said, there is coming a time and is now here that you will worship not on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but you'll worship in spirit and in truth. And when Jesus died, what happened to the temple? You remember that? The separating curtain, the dividing wall did what? Tore from top to bottom. The dividing wall was broken, was torn in half. 
right? The separation from the law, the law that separated, has now been accomplished, okay? It's been fulfilled. That's what Jesus said. I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So Jesus fulfilled that law for us, okay? He fulfilled the law for us so that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So now because Jesus fulfilled that law, the Jew doesn't have to follow the old law anymore, nor is the Gentile separated by the old law anymore. We are now one under Christ. Pretty cool. Okay? Verse 15. Oh, wait, we already did that one. Verse 16. Uh, and what else? How else did he bring us one? Okay, how else did he make peace, make us one, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Okay, let's read verse 17 as well. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. Okay, now think about this. What is he saying in verse 16, or uh, 17? Jesus came and preached peace to whom? Those who were far off. And he also came and preached peace to whom? Those who were near. So guess what? Both people needed to hear, the people far off and the people near. They both needed a message of peace, right? Because what's the real problem? The real problem isn't what nation are you a part of. The real problem is sin. Do you think people who had the law and were closer to the law and worshipped in the temple, do they still sin? Yes right? People outside the nation of Israel who didn't know the specifics of the law, did they still sin? Yes. We all sin, for all have sinned, right? So everybody needs peace. And this is what he was saying in verse 16, that Jesus might reconcile us both to God. What does it mean to reconcile, right? To bring together. Where there was hostility, now there is peace, reconciliation. Both of us need that reconciliation. Okay, if you think about it, um, Adam and Eve, right, when they first sinned, they were the first ones that were separated from God, right? First people. They sinned, they were kicked out of the garden, the garden being God's perfect place. He walked with them, right, during the day. They were kicked out, flaming sword, angel guy, put in the way. Nobody can get back in, right? There was this break, and now Jesus comes and opens the way to bring us back together. And who are all children of Adam and Eve? Everybody, right? Everybody, okay? So we all experience that break. We all need that reconciliation. This is what Paul is saying here. Whether you're in the nation or you're outside the nation, you still have sinned. You are still separated from God. We need the reconciliation. And Christ has done it through the cross. Not only did his body die, but the hostility between Jew and Greek, right? Between Baptist and Methodist and Presbyterian and Catholic and you name it, right? If you are in Christ, the hostility is broken, right? The hostility is broken if you are in Christ. 
So, uh, verse 18, for through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. Through Christ, we have access in one spirit to the Father. How many spirits? Is there a Jewish spirit and a Gentile spirit? No. One spirit. We have access to the Father. Pretty cool. Right? And if access to the Father means salvation, right? If you can get to God the Father through the Son, right? All your sins have been taken care of. Christ has paid the price. If you are in front of the Father, you are saved, right? Okay, keep going. All right, so that's remember who you are or who you were, separated from Christ. Remember what Christ did through his death on the cross. The dividing wall between man and man and the dividing wall between man and God has been broken. Now there's reconciliation, there is peace. There is no more hostility, okay? So remember, he's writing this to the Ephesians, okay? So there was, apparently, there was this problem between Jews and the, and the Gentiles in the Ephesian church where some were uh, fighting back and, back and forth, well, I'm of the circumcision, you're not, and blah, 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 and they would, you know, set up this hierarchy within the church based on Jew, Gentile, all that. But Paul is saying, no, Christ came, he died for all, one spirit we have access to the Father. You are all one. The hostility has been broken. So, we're unified in Christ, therefore ending the hostility between God and man and man and man. So, ver verse 18, excuse me, verse 19, realize who you are now. That's who you were. This is what Christ has done. Who are you now? Who are you now? Okay, verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. No longer strangers and aliens. Remember the stranger outside. The alien might be living in but has no rights and privileges. What are we now? Because of Christ. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So no longer strangers and aliens. We are full citizens and full members of the household of God. That means we have all the rights. We have all the privileges. We have all the protection of the house of God. How cool is that? That is really neat. We are citizens of the house of God. Verse 20, 21, he talks about this house a little bit, right? God's house is built on the apostles and the prophets, right? Let's see what he says. Verse 20, built this house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, All right? And so we get this picture of a building, right? And Paul has used this before. The cornerstone would be the first basically the first brick laid down. Once you lay down the cornerstone, and it has to be perfect, it has to be square, you start building everything off of that stone, and then the whole structure can arise. If your cornerstone is messed up, as you go out, your structure is just going to get messed up. 
So your cornerstone has to be perfect. It has to be precise, right? And this is obviously a picture of Christ. He is perfect. He is the perfect cornerstone, and everything is built off of him. Notice what he says. Not only the apostles, right, the New Testament, is built off of Christ, but what else? The prophets. The prophets. This is key to understanding the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament scriptures, the Old Testament is still built off of Christ. Christ is the cornerstone. New Testament and Old Testament all built off of Christ. So when you read the Old Testament, you have to put on your Christ lens. What is this telling me about who is to come? Right? So all of it, all of Scripture, is points back to Christ. And when he says prophets there, that's what he's talking about. Not just the books that we call the prophets, but Moses was a prophet, right? And Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. So, I mean, that covers basically everybody, right? Everybody. Um, so, the prophets talking about all of Scripture. All the Old Testament, all the New Testament. All right, where are we? So, the, uh, this house of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. The entire structure grows into a holy temple for the Lord. Now think about the picture here, right? The temple was a physical building inside of Israel, inside Jerusalem, right? People would come and they had to worship at the temple, right? Now where's the temple? He's saying every single one who is saved through Christ is being built as a temple, right? And this is what Jesus was saying in uh, John 4. There's a day coming where you won't worship here or there, but we'll worship in spirit and in truth, right? We become the temple. Look what it says. Verse um, 22 in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So the wall of hostility has been taken down, and we as individuals, right, as individuals, we as Christians, are being built together to be the household of God, to be the dwelling place of God. His spirit dwells within you if you are a Christian, right? If Christ, uh, if you've been washed by his blood, right? You are a dwelling place for God. That's what it says right there. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit, all right? So no longer are we separated by nations or buildings or rituals, Right? We are joined together, we are united as a people, as a holy temple, right? What does holy mean? We're set apart from the world, okay? Set apart. So whatever the world's doing, right, we're supposed to be set apart. We're not supposed to be, basically God's holy temple is not supposed to look like everybody else, right? Everybody else is doing everything else. Like in the Old Testament where they would take the pagan worship and practices and bring it into God's temple, right? Then God would have to send punishment to drive them all out and all that. Anyway, we're supposed to be separate. 
we're supposed to be a part. Holy temple, right? A holy temple set apart from the world. So this is uh, the start of, you could say, his little pep talk, right? Who were we? Well, glad you gave me some time today, Walter. That was good. We cut off some of those things I needed, apparently. Let's just end with this, okay? Let's recap. Regrade. I'll give you the, I'll give you the pep talk. You ready? I'll give you the pep talk. All right? So as you go out into this world, remember, you who once were far off and separated from God by your sin, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You have been reconciled to God and given His Spirit so that we may be joined together and grow into His holy temple. Let us go into this world as citizens and members of the holy God, members of His house. Remember who you are. Sam, would you close us in prayer, please? And we'll be finished. Thank you, Sam. God bless. We'll see you next week where we continue to join together in unity.